Christmas was great. Enjoyed uh, having family with us when my daughters were here uh, together over Christmas. We did the inevitable and we took the Cook's tour. Did some uh, sites of Townsville. Didn't hit the surrounds much. Weather wasn't really permissive of that. Uh, but we, we did uh, end up one afternoon, uh, lateish into the afternoon, driving up Cape Pelerendra. And one of them said, as we got uh, where the quarantine stations are, and I'm doing that kind of, you know, uh, U-turn at the end and looking for a park, uh, one of my daughters in the back seat says, Dad, is there a walk up there? So she had noticed as we'd approached the Cape and looking up, she could see that there was some higher country. Uh, is there a walk up there? Well, I had to think really quickly because... I knew there were several walks and I'd done uh, a couple of them back in May sometime, the Graves Walk in particular, and it was hot in May and at Christmas time with the rain and the humidity, uh, I wasn't doing that walk, right? But I had to be smart about it. Uh, it's, it's a pleasant walk when the weather's good and I'm into that. We could have just gone up over the top and to the beach on the other side. That would have been nice as well. Uh, but having done that walk before, having experienced that walk and not knowing where the end was, it seemed like we were walking on this track, the Graves track, and it just kept going away from the coastline and didn't seem to ever have like a loop that brought you back towards the coast. I didn't know whether we'd finish up in Charters Towers. And that day, Trace and I said, we're going to come and do this again. We'd love to bring the kids here, but not on this day, right? And I know we're soft, that's true. But the point is I'd experienced it. So my uh, reply was, yes, there's a walk, but you need to look forward to it next time you come because we don't have time today. Pat answer? Yeah? That's what the intellectuals would say. Just imagine that. Experience teaches you what you should do on the second time or the third time or some other multiple time that when uh, you've experienced something, you need to plan even better the next time. Today's message is all about time. And that was a true statement to make. We don't have time today to do that walk. So we went up as far as the, um, the old barrage platform is and uh, that barrack placement, and then uh, we came back down. Time is incredibly important in our lives. Simple things like going to the shops can be refined with experience, right? If you've gone with your mum when you were younger, uh, then you know not to do certain things like your mum did. You, you want to do it better, right? If you go with your dad, there's no way you could do it better. But you learn to save time when you've had experience. 
The wise old Solomon is at the end of his life reflecting back on his life, so he reflects on his wisdom, his work and his wealth. And he does the mental survey of everything that he'd done in his life from a very long list of experiences. And he says to us, it's worthless, empty and unfulfilling. It almost seems a little bit sad when we read Ecclesiastes. Today we're going to open up chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, uh, please prepare and go there. But um, last week we began the process of looping through Ecclesiastes and, of course, we started in chapter 1 with the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. He says, vanity, vanity, or meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labour at which he toils under the sun? Uh, Poor old Solomon is having these reflections on all that he had experienced. And he comes up with this. That's how he starts out. Now, thankfully, and we'll get there again today, that wasn't his conclusion. Praise God. But that's uh, when he's reflecting on all of his capacity to experience life, that is what he wants to communicate to us. That life, as we know it, so to speak, can be meaningless. Now, I was in Cairns for five years. I went up from Brisbane to Cairns to minister in a church. And uh, pretty early on in my uh, years there, I was invited to speak on a scripture union camp, an SU camp. We took the whole family away with us and discovered caving on cave camp in Chiligo. So if you've been to the Chiligo Caves, it's a little different. Awesome experience. However, on one of the caving days, the, the, and typically when we went out from the campsite and did the actual caving, uh, I would be th- in single file, usually towards the back somewhere. There's a good reason for that. But on this particular day, I had noticed that everybody had kind of disappeared as seemingly down a dark hole. And when I got there, because all you have is the torchlight that attaches to your helmet, the rest, if you look this way and, and glance with your eye, that's just total blackness. If you go this way and glance with your eye, that's total blackness. All you see is what's in front of you. There was a hole that looked bigger than it turned out to be. And I got stuck. The embarrassing thing was, of course, that everyone else had already passed through except for me. And uh, uh, Greg Gurnier, who was the point person for me, uh, picking up the rear. An experienced caver, thank goodness. So it's totally black down there. I'm stuck and without trying to make it sound too dramatic, I knew I was going to die right there in that cave. (laughs) And if you've done actual caving you're in a a distinct advantage to understand the turmoil that's going on in my mind at this moment. And, uh, of course, I'd done caving before, right? I'd been to Rockhampton, to the caves. I'd been to the Janola Caves, west of Sydney. 
but very quickly I was discovering that those were walks through a cave. They that wasn't actually caving. This was caving. And this kind uh, requires safety harnesses and wires and climbing skills. And as I turned out, to, as I found out, a slow beating heart was an advantage if you went caving or the capacity to slow your heartbeat down. I had none of those things. Long story short, and about 20 minutes later, felt like hours, Greg talked me through slowing my heart and reducing my diaphragm in order that I would be able to pull myself through that little hole. He'd suggested oiling me up to make me slippery, but I argued that that should be a last resort. You've got no idea, or maybe you have, how many thoughts, dreams and aspirations and holidays that you can come up with during 20 minutes stuck in a cave. Not to mention family, ambitions, ministry, life thoughts, a whole bunch of things floods through your mind when you are completely stuck in a black hole. See, so many things flash before you, so many opportunities, so much life that yet needs to be lived. And when time slows down, you get perspective. I'm amazed at the variety of things in our world that influence us, that provide messages to us, help us to find the secret to living an enjoyable and fulfilling life. There are helps everywhere. Facebook is full of great ideas and other people's experiences in way too much detail. There are books and articles by the hundreds that tell us how to cope with various things, problems, annoyances, issues. Bookstores are filled with all kinds of self-help volumes. And television commercials, dozens for every program, it seems. Life, as we know, it is bombarded by stuff that wants to influence us, wants to uh, create a new norm for us, telling us how to live a successful life or at least how to look successful even if we're really not living it that way. And then we have so many options to fill in our time. Busyness has become the buzzword for a successful life, so it seems. We've tried to squeeze so much life into so little time. And there's a highly competitive search for the best way to get the most out of life. In fact, billions of dollars get spent every day on marketing research in order to be able to convince us that we need something. And post-lockdown, the ads started appearing on my Facebook page. I don't know whether your feed was the same. Uh, but come to this resort, three nights. Remember them? They're still there. Three nights for $349, whatever it was. Or you could have a five-night package, a seven-night special with all the add-ons. You could get spa treatment, included dinners, 20% off something else. Remember their attraction, though. I remember looking at those and thinking, that definitely is what I need, all right? I'm in, I'm all in. Where do I sign up? I didn't sign up to any, but I remember those thoughts. 
that as it appears on your page, uh, after a little while, it gets so boring that I just flick it. But initially, I was like, wow, $350. Surely I could spend that. You see, this whole abundance thing is what Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes. He sees what's in front of him, a bit like being stuck in a cave. He's taken all the options offered on the internet. He's experienced all the offers. And this was the greatest experiment ever performed in the history of mankind to test the various approaches to success, enjoyment and contentment in life. Solomon had it all. He got to the top of the tree in every aspect you could imagine. And uh, if there was a, a request, uh, do you need this or do you need that? He could achieve it. And it's all recorded in this 3,000-year-old book. At the beginning of the book, Solomon seems quite negative and this theme continues throughout. He says that there's nothing that means anything, nothing that is worth anything. At the beginning of Ecclesiastes, Solomon doesn't really project joy, excitement and fulfilment. Would you agree? What you have left after you accumulate all you can and do all you can is very unsatisfying to the soul, according to the wise old Solomon. But he does have a refocus. Thank the Lord. Ecclesiastes doesn't leave you there. He does have a refocus and uh, he sees life differently. We saw in his conclusion last Sunday and we also see here at the end of chapter 2 in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 24 through 26. Uh, let me summarise. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I, Solomon, see is from the hand of God. For without him, for without God, who can eat or find a job? Solomon's attitude and perspective begin to change when he allowed God back into the picture. When Solomon allowed God to be the focus of his life, things become clearer and life gets meaning. Solomon is saying in these last three verses of chapter 2, I've discovered that life under the sun is meaningless if you leave God out of the picture. But when God is the focus of your life, your whole perspective changes, including your attitude to the mundane things in life, like your food and your drink and your work. And you see them as a gift from God. And then it becomes something to be enjoyed. Life is something that can be enjoyed. Solomon's uh, secret or his uh, perspective changed when he viewed God correctly or more correctly and then he begins to experience life differently. We're jumping into chapter 3 today, so let's do that. Strap yourselves in. This is um, a, a bit of a journey, but let's begin chapter 3 and verse 1. If we can get there, there we go. So read along with me if you have a device there. Um, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, 
A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. And in verse 11, uh, 15, sorry. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is a gift from God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Uh, I've jumped too far ahead, haven't I? So go back. Ah. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account and I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I also said to myself, please click a work. Go one more time, just click on there. As for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust and to dust they return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward or, and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Wow. <laughs> Time cannot be escaped. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, time is there. I uh, did find out because I travelled with a friend who was um, a little, maybe I'm, I'm a bit of a time freak, so I like to be on time. But my friend that I travelled Europe with wasn't so influenced or didn't feel that it was so necessary to be on time. When the tour guide says you need to be downstairs and ready for the bus at 7am, uh, turning up at 8am is usually not a good idea. The bus is gone and the taxi fare is large. 
Uh, best to be on time when you can. And if you're travelling and in your, if you're in the hands of others, uh, especially good to be on time. Some of you have experienced that. You see, time rules. And it doesn't matter where we are in the world, uh, time influences outcomes. Solomon gets this. He has something to say about time. In fact, we saw he has a lot to say about time. Solomon, through all of his uh, acquiring stuff in his life, fell into monotony. The more he had, the more monotony he experienced. Same old, same old. Uh, His same old was at a pretty high level, but the outcome was the same. And seemingly, he says, meaninglessness in his life. The important thing for us is, of course, his conclusion because we can learn from his experiences. We started off today with the very clear fact that we all learn from experiences and we would choose to do things differently after we've experienced it a first time. We would choose to do things differently after we've experienced it multiple times. And we establish our patterns based on our experiences. We don't want to make mistakes. It is part of the inbuilt nature for humans not to want to go back and experience an error again and again. It may happen, but it's not what we desire. Our desires are to learn from what we are uh, experiencing and do things accordingly. God wants us to always experience more of him, more of his ways, his wisdom. And so Ecclesiastes is written as a record of learning so that we would be better off and grow. God wants us to know him and his ways. The more you know, the less you don't know. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, there's a time for everything. And I feel like it's good to break this down a little bit because there's so much to learn in Ecclesiastes. A couple of things stand out to me. And I think about Solomon's uh, reflection, I want to be someone who's growing from their learning. There's a season, an appointed time, the Bible says, for everything and a right time for everything under heaven. Everything that happens, happens at the time God chooses. God is not surprised by time. And Paul captures this thought in his letter to the Galatians. In Galatians 4 and verse 4, when the right time had come, God sent his son. Why did Jesus come when he did? Because everything happens on God's timing at the right time. God uh, gave us the Christmas experience or what we celebrate at Christmas, which is the birth and the coming of Jesus Christ. He gave us that gift that we celebrate at Christmas at the right time. 
science might argue that many things happen not at the right time. Well, poo-hoo, Jesus arrived in our world at the right time. It was God's time. And here's the part that probably ticks a lot of us off. We don't know everything. We don't know everything about time. We get frustrated because God hasn't told us everything. God tells us, though, what we need to know and some things we just don't know. The time that some things will occur will not be revealed until it's the right time. If we go back to Ecclesiastes, verse 11, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted a desire for eternity in the human heart, but people cannot see the whole scope of God's work and mission from the beginning to the end. There are some things that we don't understand and we don't see. People want to know the future. God gives us these promises. He gives us so many promises. He's given us all the promises, but doesn't always reveal the details. The clear one that may have come to your mind is we know that Jesus Christ is returning, yeah? We know that he's coming again, but we don't know the time. We don't have to know the time. I think maybe, maybe it's fair to ask, why doesn't God tell us his plan or his timing? Why doesn't God tell us what's going to happen, exactly how it should happen? And here's my really simple faith answer to that question. Maybe because we're not fitted out for it. Maybe we just couldn't handle the truth that way. Maybe that if God did give us all the detail that we would live our lives differently. If we knew the time, maybe we'd uh, take stock and experience a whole bunch of stuff that we know we shouldn't because we'd just get it tidied up in time. But God knows best. And God knows better. And God knows. If we knew, we might abuse it or even try to change it. And ultimately, God wants us to trust him. In Acts 1 and verse 7, Paul, well, so Jesus actually speaking to the disciples when they ask, when will you restore the kingdom? And the response is, it's not for you to know the time. It's not your issue. Timing is God's thing. And God knows what's best. We need to keep the main things the main things and trust him and enjoy the experience of being alive in his good time. Amen? Enjoy life 
in God's good time. Because God is always on time. His time is perfect. It doesn't affect him. He is timeless. And I I love this from 2 Peter 3 and verse 8. It may be a favourite. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. So here's the main takeaway for today. Trust God and don't worry. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 36, Jesus said, Fear not, trust me. Don't be fearful and believe. Um, I got some help. I didn't read the whole Bible this week to work it out, but I did do a little fact search. Guess how many times fear not is mentioned in the Bible? And the hint is, uh, it starts with a 300, there's a 50, and there's a 6. One for every day. Jesus says, don't be afraid, believe me. Just believe. Trust in God our Father. And um, another little quip that I think is just perfect. Trust in God our Father is the most dependable stress reliever there is. The more you trust God, the less you stress. The less you trust God, the more you stress. I want to take us to Psalm 31. And for those of you who were here last week, uh, we talked about Solomon's father, who is David, later recognised as or described as a person after God's own heart. And he writes this. David, King David, writes this. But as for me, I'll choose to trust in you, Lord. I will say you are my God. I mean, how many times do we say that? Lord, you are my God. You are God. Recognition of who God is. My time is in your hand. Don't you like that? That's before Solomon. (laughs) My time is in your hand. So I'll choose not to worry, and in particular I should choose not to be concerned about time. I should get my eyes off of other people. So concern, stress, worry, it's all a conversation that you have with yourself about something that you cannot change. But the alternative is that prayer is a conversation you have with God about things that he always can change. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you in his time. I lost a really, really good friend in 2018, way too soon. This guy was recognised in the community. Uh, He was a retired, an early retired principal doing principal coaching throughout Victoria. 
He was the chair of the elders in our church and generally described by more than me, described by most as this unique, highly dependable, just an awesome guy. All right, so there's the picture. He's just a good bloke in the community and in the church. Hugh would regularly weed the garden on the footpath. Now, if you regularly weed the garden, it means that yesterday's weeding of the garden probably got the weeds out. Uh, If you missed one yesterday, you probably got it the day before. So when you're there today, there's not many weeds in the garden. But he would willfully go and weed the garden. Why? Because his street was a main linking street and as people would walk their dogs or go for an exercise walk or head towards the bus stop, they go past his garden. So he would weed the garden and then strike up random conversations with people. He would connect with people just walking around their neighbourhood. He struck up regular conversations with various people and he would talk to me regularly about where these conversations were going and what he was learning from people, what he was sharing with people. One of them was a Chinese lady he invited to the Chinese congregation at the church. She came and soon after he fell ill with a kidney disease and he died during a transplant. I was shattered. I remember getting to the hospital early one morning, 2am, thereabouts, and with the family and experiencing those next days. And then, of course, I do the Thanksgiving service. And every, every funeral or every Thanksgiving service is difficult This one was particularly difficult. He was my spiritual mentor. He was, he was my man, right? He always had my back. Well, that Chinese lady was at the Thanksgiving service. And I was told very soon afterwards that she'd given her heart to the Lord. Someone had prayed with her. And she was a Christian. She became a Christian in God's good time. My friend didn't get to see it during his time witnessing and faithfully sharing the good news about Jesus. But God's plan came to be in God's good timing. Isn't that beautiful? So to finish... Just believe and follow, right? Hugh was following Jesus and reaching people. He did it his way. I have to find my way. You have to find your way. With God, it's always the right time to give life and time over to God. Allow him to work things out in his good time. 
and focus on following him and reaching out to others. Because COVID or no COVID, there is no better time to give your heart to Jesus and to be renewed. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2 says, Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. And if you forget everything today, I want you to sift and listen and hear this. God's understanding of time is different from ours. And God has all the time in the world for you. God has all the time in the world for you. He's not bound by our understanding of time. He loves you so much. He desires that we all come to him and get back into his purpose and his plans for our life, for my life, for our lives. There's some uh, space down the front here. We're going to worship in a moment and conclude our service. And it's done for another Sunday. But there's some space where if you need prayer for anything, uh, if you just make your way during our singing, come down to the front here, sit on a seat or uh, just stand out the front here, someone will come and pray with you. Someone will come and listen, will give you time. If you'd like to know more, just come. Let's pray. Father, we recognise that our understanding of time and our experience of it is so different from you. We love you for that. We love you for loving upon us. We thank you, God, for everything that we experience and the learning that we have through our experiences. And uh, we would want to say, Lord God, that uh, we our love for you is limited by our understanding. But we know that your love for us is unlimited. So, Lord God, teach us to love. Teach us to respond. Teach us to always have time for you and for others, to love you and to love others. Lord, teach us.